Welcome. I'm Pastor John, and you're listening to the Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene is a Bible-believing church located in York, Pennsylvania. Please be sure to check out our webpage, www.stillnaz.com, for ways to connect, watch, request prayer, and to give. In this series, we're asking you, Lord, to rend the heavens with your hope, to rend the heavens with your peace, to rend the heavens with your joy, and to rend the heavens with your love. Now to the sermon. Rend the heavens. It's a prayer. God, send your hope. God, give us your peace. Give us the joy unspeakable. But it's not just a prayer, it's a rally cry. It's, it's not just God, send those things. It's God, use me to bring your hope. God, fill me with your peace so much that it just kind of leaks out of me. God, would you just drench me with your joy? I'm going forth with it. The first week we said, do you remember the phrase we used for the first week? There is hope. Why don't we say that together? There is hope. Last week was peace. We said, peace is here and peace is on his way. Let's say that together. Peace is here and peace is on his way. Today's phrase I want us to walk away with is this. Joy is set before you. Say that to yourself. Say, joy is set before me. Joy is set before me. Say to your neighbor, joy is set before you. Go ahead. Christmas songs abound with this theme of joy, right? And it makes sense when you look at the biblical story, right? When the, the pregnant mother of Jesus, Mary, visits her cousin, Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, the baby, John the Baptist, in her womb, leaps with joy. Right? And when the, inane, the and angels, when the angels announce to the shepherds, what is it that they say? They, they bring good tidings of great what? Joy. Hello. And when the wise men saw the star lead them to Jesus as a child, they were over what? Joyed. It makes sense that the songs abound with joy. My personal favorite is joy to the world. Will you sing that first verse with me? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Good job. Good job. Bravo, bravo, bravo. My, one of my favorite worship leaders of my childhood was Daryl. I can't remember his last name. But anytime he would lead from, from, from he'd always, he'd, he had this bending, jumping thing. But he would never come off. He'd never come off all the way. He just, whoop. Okay, anyways, that's one of those songs that does it really well. Okay, the third verse, though, I want us to think about today. No more let sin and sorrow grow. 
nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Where? Far as the curse is found. I want to repeat that again, so I will. Far as the curse is found. Let's repeat it again. Far as, far as the curse is found. This verse recognizes that Jesus came into a world that was broken. Broken with sin. Full of sorrow. Overrun with the thorns of difficulty. Jesus came to stop the growth of sin. Jesus came to halt the expansion of sorrow. Jesus came to cut the infestation of thorns. If you're familiar with the the Bible story, the biblical story, we understand the curse came in when Adam and Eve disobeyed the one command, don't eat from that tree. They didn't trust the Lord. So they ate. And what came in through their disobedience was sin that just went through the generations. Sorrow that just flooded the world. The ground became difficult to work. What about you? Where do you see the curse? Where do you see the curse in your family? Sin and sorrow in your network of biological family. According to this song, which I believe is Based in scripture, Jesus came to make his blessings flow even there. Let's, let's think about our community, our, our county. Where do you see the curse at work? Here. If this song is true, and I believe it is, Jesus came to make his blessings flow in those places. In those relationships. What about this world? Where do you see the curse at work in our world? Jesus came to make his blessings flow right there. As you thought of the work of the curse, perhaps you thought, perhaps you thought of the sorrow of those families who have lost loved ones to cancer, to COVID some other sickness. Perhaps you thought of the sorrow of those children who don't have families. Perhaps you you thought of the sorrow of those families who are divided because of disagreement or divorce. Perhaps you thought of the sorrow of parents watching their child spin out of control in a cycle of addiction. Perhaps you thought of the sorrow of those who've become refugees because of a war in their country, like the one that's happening right now in Ethiopia. And perhaps you thought of the sin, the sin of injustice that requires a justice system that's run by imperfect people so that it's not always just. 
Perhaps you thought of the sin of racism that shows up blatantly and implicitly. Perhaps you thought of the sin of lust perpetuated by pornography. And you know that pornography then perpetuates sex trafficking for children, men, and women who don't even want to be involved. Perhaps you thought of the sin of greed that keeps CEOs caring more about profit than their people, that keeps people getting more and more credit cards and going into greater and greater debt. Jesus came to make his blessings flow in each of these areas. That's wild. That's good news. Jesus and his message, Jesus' message is a message of joy to the world under the weight of sin and sorrow. Today we're going to read from Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61 is loaded with joy. What I love about Isaiah 61 is that in Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes home to Nazareth, and he's in the synagogue, and it's time to read the scripture. It's time for the public reading of scripture. And he, gets, he asks for the scroll of Isaiah and unrolls it to Isaiah 61. And he reads the first two verses of this passage. And he says, today in your presence, these words are fulfilled. Essentially, Jesus was saying to his hometown friends, I am coming to do this. This is my mission. Well, So as we read Isaiah 61, we need to understand this actually helps shape Jesus' mission in life. So he only read the first two verses, but the people would have been familiar with the whole passage. Why don't we read all of Isaiah 61 today? Would you stand for the reading of God's word today? I want you to imagine Jesus reading these words to us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They... They will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flock. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast." 
And instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. The voice changes. It's God speaking now. You see those quotation marks? It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I, in my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge they are a people the Lord has blessed. The voice changes back to the reader who we're imagining as Jesus. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of God for us today. Can somebody say amen? You may be seated. Joy is restoration. Joy is set before you. Joy is restoration. What was Jesus' mission? His mission was to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor, those who don't have what they need. How is he going to do it? He said, oh, I'll do it like this. I'll bind up the brokenhearted. I'll go to those in prison and proclaim that they're free. I'll shine darkness in that place. And all those who are mourning, I'm going to comfort them. And not just that, I'm going to take them and I'm going to plant them like oaks, oaks of righteousness, and then they, I'm going to use them to rebuild the devastated places. The curse, my friend, is found in brokenheartedness. The curse is found in captivity. The curse is found in the darkness of prison. The curse is found in grieving. The curse is found in ruined cities. The curse is found in devastated places. But Jesus' mission was to restore the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to shine light in the dark, to replace grief with joy, to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the devastated places. When it says in verse 8, when God speaks up, he's like, ah, hey, I want to say something here. I want you to know what I really enjoy. I want you to know what I really love. Listen, I love justice. This Hebrew word for justice is mishpat. It's the idea of righting a wrong. It's like rectifying justice. It's reversing the curse. What does God love to do? He likes to find the broken things and go, we can fix that. He likes to find the people abandoned and say, not anymore. I love justice, he says. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. 
God sent his son to make his blessings flow into all the brokenness of the world. This, my friends, is a physical, emotional, spiritual, and structural and systemic and societal reality. Jesus came to save the heart, mind, soul, body, and society itself. He came to save us as individuals, and he came to save us as a community. We cannot ignore this. This is good news of great joys, friend. Great joys? Yes, lots of joys. If you limit Jesus' salvation to your soul, you are actually shortchanging the change that God wants to bring in you and through you. If you shortchange God's change to society, you're shortchanging the change that he wants to bring in you. God's transformation is total. It encompasses every crack in the world. Joy is restoration, and it is a gift. Joy is set before you. Joy is restoration that leads to more restoration. Joy is set before you. When this part of Isaiah was written, the people of God were living under the empire of the Persians. Their towns and their cities were run down, poorly managed. It's true today. Where there are run down and poorly managed neighborhoods and towns, you're going to find a spirit of despair and a deep need. Lots of needs, but particularly for joy. The servant of God was anointed to bring good news to the poor. He was anointed to bring good news to those who were afflicted by the unjust empires above them and by the rundown society around them. And so when Jesus says, that I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that's a reference to the year of Jubilee, right? The idea of the year of Jubilee was that every like 49, 50 years, there would be rest, freedom, and restoration, There's debate on exactly how it was supposed to play out and whether or not the Jews ever did it. But what is remarkable about this is that God wanted to build restoration, rest, and freedom into the fabric of their society. And Jesus is saying, as he is speaking to his friends in Nazareth, this is what I want to do with my life. I want my life to be a year of jubilation, a year of the Lord's favor. I want it to be a year of rest and freedom. Here's what I find fascinating. Perhaps you already saw it. The the ones that the good news comes to, the ones who get the oil of joy instead of mourning, they're the ones who are going to be called oaks of righteousness. They're the ones who will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Look at verse, that's the bottom of verse three where it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness. And right after that it says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. So what was the joy that was set before these people? The joy was the work of restoration. The joy set before them was the work of renewing their town, their neighborhoods. 
their restoration in God would lead to the restoration of others. They were to move from being the brokenhearted to being the ones who would bind up the brokenhearted. They were to move from being imprisoned to being the ones who would visit those in prison and say, hey, you're free. The joy was set before them. As God had moved in them, he was longing to move through them. There was a man who came along whose name was John, John the Baptist. If you want to look, turn to John chapter 1. John, the gospel of John, was written by one of the apostles who followed Jesus around. And when he was describing the arrival of Jesus Christ, he describes Jesus as the light who had come to the world. And then in verses 6 through 8, he kind of describes how John came as a witness to that light. He had seen the light. He knew the light of hope that Jesus was about to bring. And so now he came to testify to the world what that light was about to do. And John's life was so radical and wild and wonderful that people paid attention, even those in religious and political authority. And so they sent people to him and they said, uh, hey, hey, are you the Messiah? Hey, hey, are you Elijah? Hey, are you the prophet or like, are you Moses reincarnate, reincarnated? And in this moment, John, who was a witness to the light, the one who had received the joy of the Lord, he had an opportunity to move himself to center stage. He had an opportunity to be an imposter and be like, yeah, I am that. Sure thing, follow me. Here's what happens, though, when you, when you try to pretend, when you follow someone else's purpose and try to make that purpose yours, you're an imposter, and that actually destroys you and destroys other people. God has a dream for you, and it's not for you to be the savior of the world, but to help others experience him in your unique way. God's dream for you is not your parents' dream for you, and it's not even America's dream for you. It's very unique for you. He's designed you uniquely. And John the Baptist shows right here, he knew his unique place. He didn't have to pretend. No, 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 no. There's someone coming after me. I want you to know about him. He's so great, I can't even untie his shoes. John didn't confuse himself with the master, with the Messiah. He didn't try to pretend. If he had pretended, he would have missed his joy. He would have missed the joy that was unique for him, the joy that was set before him. The joy set before him was to prepare people for Jesus' arrival. What about you? What is the joy set before you? What is the opportunity that God has placed in your life that is unique to you? What are the needs in front of you? Who are the hurting in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace? God has placed that in front of you as an opportunity to choose joy. So the joy is set before you when you have to lose sleep to care for the needs of your child. 
The joy is set before you when you choose to add the extra bag of groceries at Wise for those who are hungry. The joy has been set before you when you decide to go out of your way to collect blankets, hats, and gloves for homeless and those who need them. We've got a young man who's doing that even now. The joy is set before you when you take time to value your neighbor by listening to them and their story. The joy is set before you when you adjust your spending so that you have less so that others can have what they need. The joy is set before you when you pause in a conversation to pray with someone who has just named an ache, a pain, something that they are worried about. The joy is set before you when you use your scrolling time on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to instead of consuming conspiracy theories, you actually put out the good news of Jesus Christ. The joy is set before you when you use vacation time to serve others, like cleaning their homes after a devastating flood. The joy is set before you when you, when you use your retirement time, there's someone in our church that does this, to drive Uber and then pray for people that are in your car. Hello. Joy is set before you when you wake up early to pray because you need more time to pray for your family, your church, your community. The joy is set before you when you still hold your spouse's hand. They don't remember your name. They don't remember your name. Turn to Hebrews 12. The writer here is encouraging the church to live in faith and to imitate Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. The writer says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He scorned its shame and now sits at the right hand of the Father. In that one little line, the writer reminds us that Jesus had a choice. The joy set before him was the redemption and restoration of humanity. But in order to accomplish that restoration, to achieve that joy, Jesus would have to endure the pain of the cross. Please don't misread this as saying Jesus enjoyed pain. Jesus endured pain for the joy set before him. The joy for Jesus was knowing that he, what he was doing was serving a greater purpose. The joy set before Jesus was you. Think about that. You. And everyone you love and everyone you hate. The joy set before Jesus was all of us. We are the poor to whom Jesus came to proclaim good news. We are the ones for whom he has a plan to plant as oaks of righteousness. We are the ones through whom he plans to renew and restore the devastation and wasted places. We are the ones around whom he wraps 
his salvation and righteousness. Last week I mentioned that if we want to live out peace in this world, we can't do it on our own. This is not a DIY project, right? It's not do it yourself. It's a D-I-W-S. Do it with spirit with a capital S on the spirit. It's about time to pray. Thanks for the reminder, phone. The same thing is with bringing joy and restoration. That is the harvest. This passage reminds us that God came to give us everlasting joy and that he's clothed us with garments of salvation and arrayed us in a robe of his righteousness. If you want to choose the joy set before you to rend the heavens with his restoration, it will only be by the power of his salvation and righteousness in you. And so, as we were prompted to pray, because it's 10.02 where it says, where Jesus told the disciples in Luke chapter 10 to to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. This is one of the ways we prepare ourselves as workers. Joyless workers, I don't think that's what God wants. The world does not need more crabby people. The world needs the joy of the Lord. And it's not something that we can fake. People can see through fake. So this first, this first reflection question, I just, I just want you to think about this. Where have you lost your sense of joy in the Christian walk? Have you lost your sense of joy? Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus and have never experienced the eternal everlasting joy that he brings. This, this prayer that's up here is written by David in Psalm chapter 51, verse 12, I think it is. David screwed up majorly. And as a response to his failure as a husband, his failure as a king, he wrote this prayer. And in the middle of that prayer is this line. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And what I'd like us to do as a community, because I believe the world needs his joy, is I want you to pray this individually. I want you to ask God. Just repeat this line over and over again right now, just for a couple seconds. Just say this. If you want to say it out loud, if you want to whisper it, you can. If you just want to repeat it in your mind, repeat this prayer from David. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And think specifically about those places in your life where you need his joy. second question for reflection is this. What is the unique joy that God has set before you? This does not depend on your age, your race, or your gender. Everyone has a unique place, right? A unique place. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a certain gender. You don't have to be a certain race for this. Whoever you are, wherever you are. What is the joy that God is placing in front of you? 
writer in Isaiah realized there were broken hearts. There were broken relationships. There were broken bodies. There were broken streets. What's the joy in front of you? Ask God now to show you the brokenness that he wants you to be a part of healing. Ask him where he wants you to bring his joy. Go ahead and have that moment, just you and him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you are the kind of God who chose to dwell among us, to become like us, to know our pain, that you're the kind of God who sent his son to actually go through our punishment, death, to take our sins upon himself so we wouldn't have to suffer the consequences ourselves, to raise from the dead so that we could also secure resurrection forever. We have life in you, Father. Everlasting, abundant, uncontrollable, infinite life in you. And that is reason to have joy. But God, I fear that 2020 has been um, a little subpar on the joy scale for us as Christians in America and around this world. And for that, I, I repent. When we get too consumed with circumstance rather than our eternity in you, joy is missed. Help us dwell in you, and as we dwell in you, receive your joy, and as we receive your joy, to let it flow out onto our families and our neighborhoods. We want to be a part of your restoration work here in York. York County, York City, and here in Pennsylvania, and in the United States, and around the world. For the joy you have set before us. Thank you. What a privilege. God, fill us with your joy. Help us bring your joy this week. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Still Meadow Sermon Podcast. Again, please click over to our website, www.stillnaz.com. If you have a prayer request, you can go directly to stillnaz.com prayer. If you want to connect with people at Still Meadow, go to stillnaz.com connect. If you want to support Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene financially, go to stillnaz.com give. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be here again next week. <laughs>